0: Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast. Sit down and buckle up for this one, boys and girls,
1: because it is an absolute belter. <laughs> we have got Richie Norton from the Strength Temple, and uh, we take a deep—we definitely take a deep dive. We we take a deep dive and we get deep uh, and personal, meaningful and personal. Um, but he, he's doing some fantastic work. He talks initially about his. Um, personal journey and struggle with um mental health that came out of change of 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 career and and part of of that and how he's now overcome that and what he's doing to um, make people feel better, make people happy. Um, a lot of work on how the breath. Some, some really simple things that you can put into place using the breath and how to um, how to how to change our mood, our feeling. Um, and it's one that his his enthusiasm um, is infectious, and uh, it's very uplifting once we get into into the nice into the nice stuff once he's gone past obviously when he's talking about some of the difficulties he struggled with beforehand obviously that's that that connects in a, in a different way but it, uh, it it comes to life after that
0: yeah there's some real great stuff to take away and this is just how to live a happier life which is ultimately what we're all striving towards and um how some of uh, rich's practices fit into this and i've got some stuff i'm going to be taking away to practice and work on and i'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it so this is richie norton on the school of calisthenics playground session roll the jingle all right so it is our great pleasure to welcome Richie Norton onto the podcast this week Richie thanks for joining us pleasure good to be here thanks for the invite so if you could just give us a little bit of an introduction a background who is Richie Norton what are you all about how have you got to the point that you are now and then we can start to dive into some of the good stuff from there
2: Okay, so yeah,
0: Richie Norton, um,
2: mainly known as the Strem Temple. Some people don't even know my real name, so yeah, it's Richie. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Instagram, for that one. Um I am an ex-rugby player. I now currently practice as a, a yoga teacher and a movement practitioner, and unpack that as you feel. Um I practice breathwork meditation, I'm a PT, but also i uh, 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 self-prescribed I guess a practice of a nice mixture of everything and rather than call myself a life coach uh, I like to type myself as a a lifestyle architect because I find my practice now uh, as a coach kind of pulls in all the different experiences that I've had personally and I guess everyone's had their own experiences I like to work through with my clients what that actually means to them and then piece together like an architect would to you know orchestrate the best possible life they can find.
1: Yeah and uh you you you've, you've you've got this you know you've probably been on a journey like a lot of us have where we might be um doing something you said you used to play play rugby and that's very sort of rugby is not necessarily a holistic way to train so it's very specific trying to be good at a specific Mm -hmm. thing and within your Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what position you play you've got very uh, detailed sort of skills that you need to be able to perform to become Mm -hmm. part of that team whereas you now have it now have a very uh, holistic approach to everything that involves health so whether that's training whether that's the mental health side of things just Mm -hmm. we were talking before we went on air just about that big Step change for you when you went out from playing rugby and, and, and finishing and transitioning into what does life look like that afterwards mm-hmm. you know I've, yeah. I used to play professional rugby myself and that transition of sports going from that into let's say the real world it mm-hmm. is a difficult thing um, to manage and everybody struggles with different elements of that just, just mm-hmm. sort of unpack that a little bit for the listeners to give a bit of the context around what that journey was like yeah
2: okay so the um, rugby for me was was kind of my schooling. Um I lived in the Middle East. My dad used to work offshore uh, on oil rigs as a geologist. I w- grew up in an English-American uh, expat community living on the beach. My schooling was so sporadic. My mum was my most of the time my teacher uh, teaching me art and English and all this other stuff. And I'd I'd be getting bored. I was super hyperactive. I, th- I guess you can call it ADHD. Couldn't really sit still. Wasn't very good at sitting in the classroom. I uh, didn't see myself as someone who being been very academic. Rugby came around at a very young age, playing in the desert. And um, my dad was a rugby player. And I realized it was a, it was the sport and it's the activity and being physically active and running around like a lunatic was was kind of my way of expressing myself and kind of like, you know, getting rid of all the excess energy i moved back to the uk when i was uh, about seven years old and tried to reintegrate into school school um was hit and miss because i moved around quite a bit rugby from a young age was a way for me to really sort of start to um challenge myself but also a way for me to again express and release all of the energy that was building up inside of me because i got quite frustrated
1: what position uh, at, did you play
2: at high school? Sorry. I started on uh, in the on the wing. Would you believe it? I've been this big. I say <laughs> not that I'm big, but I mean as an adult and you know physically fit and strong, probably since a very very young age. But got to the point when I was 16, everyone started to get bigger and wider. So I slowly mm. slowly started moving from a winger to a to an outside centre to inside centre to actually a scrum half. <laughs> <So, laughs> But I still thought I was quick and I'd still like to have a scrap and I found myself at <laughs> the bottom of these heavy lads quite regularly. Um, but anyway, through, through high school, I was, I was very competitive. I used it as a chance for me to just have a bit of a scrap and just to kind of just like let loose. It just happened that I, I could pull together a little bit of talent at the same time and uh, I got to play for my county and England A at cult level and it that had all this promise. But I was still getting mixed up in young boys' stuff that was you know swaying me into this sort of path of potentially I could have disrupted what was potentially a, a real potential you know successful career in sport and come to the age of eighteen um uh, realized school and college just really wasn't panning out rugby was my my career that was what I was going to do I was going to be a professional rugby player and a few injuries plagued me at quite a young age, and it kind of woke me up to the fact that this maybe isn't a potential career. It might actually be taken away from me very young. So I thought, what's the next best thing? What also makes me a hero? I'm going to be a firefighter. So I um, decided to study to be a firefighter. I was going to go to Lancashire Fire Brigade College. Yeah, that is a thing. And <laughs> yeah. um, I thought, that, that's the war. I'm going to rescue people. I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to leave a legacy. This is going to be the backup plan. And turns out there was a few injuries that were actually plaguing me from me even being able to get into a fire brigade, the firefighter school. So I, I had to do a little bit of work on my, my fitness. And uh, I was playing for Chester Rugby Club at the time, thought I was going to go to sell sharks. That was going to be my chance, my professional break. And I got a break to actually go and play in New Zealand. So New Zealand was school for me. That was where I really got to learn my lessons. I went there thinking I was a bit of a big shot and big lags out in New Zealand that can play rugby on a whole new level, <laughs> beat, beat me up for the first few weeks. My first job was shearing sheep on a farm, uh, proper Rocky Balboa stuff, carrying rocks up hills and carrying logs through rivers and stuff like this. And um, I realise I've gone way back now, but this is what happens when I get a bit of a tangent. But it's uh, it, <laughs> it, it was something that I really wasn't grasping in the UK. I thought my professional career my 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 future was set and at the age fast forward a few years 6 months contract in New Zealand became 2 years I came back from from there because my my granddad wasn't very well and he set up an opportunity for me to go and play again in America thought that would be amazing this is my big break going to go and you know hit it big in the states because rugby was still becoming quite a big thing and there's loads of money out there thought yes brilliant and injuries start to build and build and build. I've been knocked out twice, um, hyperextended my knee, MCL, broke my shoulder, snapped my AC joint, um, dislocated my jaw. And I just—I was 24, 23 years old. And all of a sudden this, this, this potential chance for me to make it and to um, have this big break that I thought was gonna be my future got taken away and it really messed with my head. What could have been a really long career kind of put me into like a bit of a depression, not that I could identify it back then because we're talking about 12 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. And it was that realization that I couldn't maybe fulfill what my future was gonna be, and I kind of lost it. So um, yeah, I think if you could think about the people that come into these careers and maybe have a slightly longer opportunity to do what they love but then it gets taken away from all your career ends or from a professional point of view all of a sudden that's all you've known and you've got to reintegrate into normal life as you know someone who's not an athlete someone who's not a professional professional. and um you know, I can vividly remember then just feeling completely lost and not having a clue what to do with myself and you know you you really have to dig deep to actually pull yourself out of the dark pit that actually was. and not, you kind of feel like you've let people down, you let yourself down, people are going to judge you or how, you know, you've like, you've not fulfilled what you're capable of. And you you just think about what everyone else thinks of you or what what people might think of you. The fact that you failed, whereas it's kind of not your fault or like, you know, you don't know anything else. So like, what do I do? Because I don't know anything else. So for me, that was the, the introduction to, um, the mental health element that I now really feel fueled on because I was able to able to overcome it. And without fast forwarding too much, I gave rugby another chance. and got to travel to go and play in Portugal um, as a player and a coach. But again, injuries kind of played me. Came back to London, thought I'd give business a go, make some money. You know, thought I'd like do the whole business side of things, start business work, and like build this empire just didn't naturally resonate with me very well, constantly hitting walls, constantly getting knocked and not really for feeling fulfilled and not feeling very passionate and injuries and mentally just not being in a very good place, got drinking, drugs, just all these things that kind of just completely clouded my space, not really feeling that I had a clear understanding of my identity and it took a few people to actually pull me out of this pit, let's call it, to actually give me a solid structure or talking to, or give me hope that there was actually a way through it and steered me into the direction of things that might give me hope to find a way through into a place that feels a bit more true to what my calling was. And that took leave in London and, um, that journey took me to Australia, which is a, a new chapter in itself, Where we want to delve into that, but I kind of almost like steered away from what the actual initial question was. But I think to give a bit of context, I thought I had my path set, and I thought I had my career set, and I had all my, my heart set on something being my future. And if other people can relate, that can be taken away from you. And all of a sudden your world gets flipped upside down. And you need to find something that actually calls to you so you can give it the passion, the energy, and the focus that it needs to actually be successful, but also wake up every day um, willing to just attack or whatever the world throws at you. So it can help you overcome when things actually get challenging. And um, yeah, that was the start of where it really turned around. But it took a lot of horrible, dark, lonely moments to actually find your way through it and I think that's really what's driving me to be who I am now
1: yeah I, I don't want to sort of uh, delve into it um, or stay on it too much but just a, a question about because I know from uh, my own experience of going through that transition from uh, I retired from a head injury but it was later on in my I'd had ai was 31 but still something like that idea of something being and it's funny I I would use the same phrase you said sort of taken away but the interesting thing about like most sports like rugby, mm-hmm. that's always going to happen at some point in terms of like, no one carries on playing rugby when they're 45. And depending mm-hmm. on the level that you're playing at, you're going to have to get a job after. So there's a lot of sports out there that um, you can be a professional, but you're not earning enough to be able to retire when you're 35 and never mm-hmm. have to work again. And mm-hmm. that that transition is always going to happen, but we don't necessarily um, get equipped to think about that and also plan for it and prepare for it and even if Mm -hmm. and then like it can be taken away through injury or whatever else yeah and that one of the struggles that I've from my own experience but as well as talking to other athletes that go through this period and there was a a chap gave a talk at um, the UKCA conference at the weekend about um, identity and that actually we 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 tend to get the struggle the most when we wrap the majority or almost all of our identity in the thing that we that we do so when that then's taken away it 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 crushes us so deeply because it's actually uh, we've wrapped ourselves as a person in the i'm a rugby player or this is the thing that i'm Mm -hmm. doing and did you was there some of that element to it for you do you think or was it more just the failure side of things that you felt
2: um I think that I, didn't, I didn't really sort of feel like I had like a normal start to the traditional schooling stuff. So for me, rugby was like all I ever knew. It was my chance to like be around lads, you know, yeah. feel like one of the lads, community, uh, discipline, camaraderie, you know. But it was all backed up with that sort of macho, like sort of, you know, you've got to be a lad, you've got to be strong, you've got to be resilient, you know, you've got to be tough. And it was all I knew. I was good at it. So of course I was confident. Of course I was like, this is, this is what it is for me. This is what I'm good at. This is my thing. Yeah. And it did get wrapped up in, you know, that being my identity. And all of a sudden when that sort of doesn't feel like is your space because you're not, you can't compete in anymore. You can't add value there anymore. You get that separation from your teammates. You get that separation from what that means to be as part of a team or part of a community. And it feels proper lonely because all of a sudden then you also feel like you can't tell your mates because you're a lad, because you're a bloke, because you're a rugby player. You don't talk about your feelings. You're not, you can't say you're depressed. You can't say you're a bit sad or you had a little cry because like, you just don't know your, your place anymore. And it, I think that was probably the real, the darkness that comes in or the, the, the loneliness that's safe when, you, when you're all, there's this lack of knowing because you've got to try and figure out where you now are placed you know, and how do you reintegrate into like the normal world? Let's call it outside of rugby or any sport. And, um, because you feel like you've just focused everything on that, that mission. Where do you start off? You feel like you're starting from scratch again and you've got to reintegrate then like your feelings. What, what am I good at? Who am I? Where do I fit? What role do I play in society? You know? And I think, um, yeah that was definitely something you've really got to dig deep to understand and I think that again from my spiritual practice from these new teachings that I've now started to make you know part of everyday life really allowed me to open up and then also tune out of everything else all the noise to actually listen to what I'm actually good at and what I'm passionate about and that's your, your leading you know you your, your fuel your your direction because you're listening to what really is calling to you yeah and that can be different obviously to the individual but I think we need to take a little step back and know that it's okay and we can start fresh from any point wherever we are just got to listen to what that real calling is yeah
1: and I think we've the, the example that you've given we've got ourselves from sporting but that could be exactly the same for somebody in their job or business or whatever mm-hmm. they're Mother, 100%. father, brothers, whatever yeah. their identity yeah. is, and that that can, so we can all struggle with these things, regardless of whether it's a sporting type of thing. But I wanted to then let, let's let's talk a little bit about the your headstrong project and how you mm-hmm. you know some of the things that you've like done. Then obviously to get over this, mm-hmm. and obviously hugely and understandably passionate about this, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, give us a chance to talk about the. I think you now <clears throat> the breath work is a, a big part of that. But yeah. just unpack a little bit of that for us. And I told you yeah. before, I'm, I'm interested to talk about breath. Um, yeah,
2: that's if we could do a whole podcast on breath, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. such, such a hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Really, everyone's sort of jumping on it because people I've been doing like, breathing
1: for ages, mate.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, you know, you think we've been doing it our whole life, wouldn't you know? You think we know a bit more about it by now, but <laughs> no um, one teaches us, though, that's the problem. No, no one teaches you, no one teaches you, but it's really exciting. So, I mean, the we've obviously just jumped ahead, but I mean, I've um.
1: Well, yeah, just go, go, you can sort of unpack from there. Sorry, no, but it's some...
2: more like, um, to give a bit of context to that, you know, I'm seen as someone who practices breath work and teaches all these different, you know, mechanics of how to breathe better and how to move better and become more connected with your body and your mind, all this stuff that's thrown around out there. I'm still playing with it, but I just know the tools that I've used to actually overcome all the stuff that we've just been talking about yeah. has been a movement practice that felt good for me, which is changing directions and... You know, we looked at we we kind of brushed over it before. I was a rugby player, I was lifting weights all the time, I was doing sprint work, as all this stuff that was specialist for my sport. Hmm. And we kind of like moved around that a little bit, but in the day we've got to move in different directions to keep our body challenged, but also a lot of repetitive exercise all day, every day, the same thing, you're doing the same thing, the same habits every day, it gets boring. And you know, your body gets used to it, you're no longer challenged anymore. So for me, going from Uh, a rugby player lifted weights all the time i was so dysfunctional i was massive and it's not using the weight very well and it was causing more stress i didn't know how to breathe back then you know i wasn't even really educated on the actual best training protocols that were actually improving my sport i just thought we've got to get massive we've got to get fast and we've got to be able to like handle the impact all day every day but this is constant stress so breath work was my my tool that completely revolutionary that actually gave me a bit more control to manage the stress, to manage the pressure. And it was movement practices like capoeira. When I went to Australia, trying yoga, trying, you know, surfing that completely threw my, my practice upside down. But then I started to see the pattern of actually, we all need to breathe, right? We think it's automatic, but then breathing in meditation, breathing in yoga, breathing in capoeira, all aligned with actually me becoming more controlled with the way I move and all these injuries that I'd built up through rugby and all this repetitive stress and impact on all my joints, Never mind my head being a complete pickle breathing. And all of a sudden it helped me really connect with every single movement I made, whether it was lifting weights, whether it was in capoeira practice or whether it was yoga because it helped me feel composed and it helped me bring balance. It helped me bring focus. And then also when I was really wound up or stressed or anxious, a one breath done correctly completely changed my mood. And I'd never even scratched the surface with that when I was an athlete, you know, a professional person. And it completely changed my life. One, my injuries disappeared. All of a sudden, like, I was feeling healthier. I was moving better. I was running longer. And I start to reconnect with movement practices that completely transformed the way one I felt physically but also it gave my brain a break so mentally all of a sudden I'm getting this breakthrough that I haven't got this heavy feeling when I get a bit low and I get a bit lost I could completely change the way I was taking my day by stopping for a second moving a little bit that felt right in that moment whatever that was a bit of freestyle with some breathing that allowed me to just close off the noise and shut out all the distractions and actually tune into where, where, I, where I was feeling that in that moment. And I could channel that into changing my whole day. And that could just be over just a few breaths in a five minute flow. Didn't have a clue what I was doing 10 years ago. And now I've been able to just to pull a load, load of different tools together that I can now use in a practice that I can now teach to anybody of all shapes and sizes, of all different fitness levels, no matter whether you're a bodybuilder, whether you're a yogi, whether you're a your 78-year-old nan, I can give you something that will help you feel physically and mentally better. And the courses, the workshops that I teach, um, this really cool project that acts at PPP Healthcare, one of the you know, huge, huge yeah, corporate yeah. brand. I've now seen huge benefits in teaching their corporate clients, but also internally how to manage stress. And because they're just at a desk all day, think how many people sit on their ass all day now on the laptops, hunched over in really shitty positions, stressed and anxious, can take five minutes out of their day to apply these little practices. And you feel completely brand new, so you don't have to have 14 coffees <laughs> and then go to the gym at night and smash yourself and get even more stressed because your body's already buckled because you've been sat hunched over your desk or people go into gym classes and just completely beast themselves disconnected from their body can now use these little tools to just feel a little bit better rather than have these massive tasks or massive challenges to get lose all this body weight or to change their whole life. Why not start with the little things that you've got access to that can be done anywhere Your breathing and a little bit of movement. And once you've got, once you've mastered that, take it anywhere you want. And that's people sitting in offices and desks, so in desks, on desks, whatever they're doing. (laughs) These people that hang out in offices, decomposing slowly, you know, get out, be in nature, do a little bit of breathing, learn the basics, what feels good to you, what doesn't, get that boxed off, make that your daily ritual, and then see how much it transforms you. And also then connects this whole mind-body thing, which most people are completely out of touch with, you know?
0: Yeah, it's amazing mate. And I think it's um it's a really interesting as, as, as to see the commonality and become more aware of breath work as it's become a little bit more sort of into the mainstream of, of health and fitness or at least in conversations and, and the literature that we sort of in, in, um, expose ourselves to through what we do and I actually got a book a while ago an audiobook um, by Dan Brule called Just Breathe and I started yeah. working through it I was really interested in it and some of the phys- physiological stuff around parasympathetic nervous system was really interesting what the potential health benefits are people that struggle with headaches and migraines and like you say the big one around stress and then you go somewhere mm. else and we Talk about the brain-body interface and giving the brain sufficient oxygen to actually just do mm-hmm. it needs to, to clear um, waste products mm-hmm. and carbon dioxide, and then we start to talk mm-hmm. about recovery and, and from stress of training and going. Mm-hmm. Actually, after training session, the, the body's primary number th- number one thing it wants to do is get back to equilibrium. Like it's not mm-hmm. interested about making performance adaptations until it's actually just got back to where it was before. And then, if you've got mm-hmm. anything left, it might make you a little bit better.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what I found when I was reading Dan Brule's book is that I got to a point where there's a lot of different breathing techniques, lots of different schools of thought, and it went from sort of, can you do six second breaths, like, or 10 seconds, 10 second breaths, six um, six over, over a course of a minute or whatever, do that five times, just sit real simple. It gets complicated quite quickly, and I felt like I needed to... Um, go right back to the beginning before I could start to apply some more advanced techniques if someone's interested in getting into breath work and and exploring it a little bit more for themselves what's the what's a good onboarding point which is just real simple and and also developing the practices around making sure it becomes part of the day because it's such I found personally Mm -hmm. it's a it's an easy thing to neglect because the day just gets Mm -hmm. going and you're on it we'd like to interrupt this broadcast today to bring you a customer service announcement and we want to tell you how excited we are about the virtual classroom where our online community of amazing people are working together to redefine their impossible and achieve things in calisthenics that they never thought they would be able to jacko
1: yeah if you've not thought about it yet you should really consider uh, becoming a member of the virtual classroom you become part of that supportive community and you then get access to absolutely every single training program we've got every workout we do every challenge every webinar and there is specific courses in there for everything from beginners to to handstands and human flags and everything in between you get access to all of it you get to learn at your own pace online with us within the supportive community of people encouraging each other to redefine their impossible
0: guys it's really something special we would love it if you come and check it out and until you do check it out and we see you in there let's get back to our regularly scheduled program you got anything that people can take away and sort of actually how do you how do you get going um so there's there's so many different ways and i think
2: it's, it's just been great that people even just paying attention to the way they breathe. That's probably the first thing. You know, the baseline here is, do you even know how you're breathing? Most have got no idea if you think it's so automatic. You know, we don't get taught how to breathe. We just think, oh, it's what we do. It's how we survive. We can't survive without breath. We can survive without food, without water for a while. We can't survive without breath for more than a few minutes. Um, and it is the lowest hanging fruit that we have access to. And if you can just say to someone or if I would say to someone like, you know, are you breathing through your mouth or are you breathing through your nose all day? There's a huge, I mean, that book's brilliant. And one of the main books that I keep referring to is one by uh, Patrick McEwen, the oxygen advantage. Have you come across that before? Well, no, I've not seen that one. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm gonna I'll write it on my, up my iPad now. hundred <laughs> percent. It's uh, it's brilliant. I mean, intensive book is a lot to get your head around but just the practices and patrick's just been one of the huge pioneers it comes from the beteiko method which is a russian practice he he kind of uh, redeveloped it and, and put it into something that can be broken down used in performance but also used in anxiety and, and other stress related exercises but it brings the uh, attention to nose breathing and from the research from years and years and years ago, it shows how nasal breathing, well, breathing through your nose is what we're meant to do with our nose. We're supposed to eat with our mouth and breathe through our nose. And if you even just bring attention to someone, I'm sorry if I elaborate on this a little bit, but giving context in answer to your questions, actually just try and breathe through your nose all day. But just giving context, if you Google or put into YouTube nose breathing, nose breathing versus mouth breathing, There's so much information out there, and a lot of time the auction advantage and Patrick gets referenced. But with practices like Wim Hof coming through, which is obviously just taken over the world, um, (laughs) a lot of mouth breathing, but it's a lot of time it's misunderstood because there's a time and a place for both. Carbon dioxide, our waste gas through our mouth is a good way to offload it, but to inhale through the nose and out through the nose is a it allows you to one, bring in a nice balanced inhale and a nice balanced exhalation. But it also filters all the dirty air that we're breathing in. If you've got a massive big open mouth and you're like, <sighs> all day, it's just like a clear open runway for you to absorb all the information, all the crap out of the air. But also it's a stress response. It's been shown to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system and more chest breathing, whereas nasal breathing has been shown to trigger more parasympathetic nervous system, which is more calming, restful, digestion, and you know, down the diaphragm, the belly breath, but also from again, with Patrick, there's a there's little sacs in our nose that produce nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, according to the research. Um, I haven't done the research myself, but I know from a few years of practice now through nasal breathing, when it's more calming, I use it with my athletes. Uh, I use it with everybody that wants to try and practice a more calmer, um, more uh, steady, more focused state. And there's so much research out there. There's so many great practices. I'll reel some off for you. Power, speed, endurance, Brian McKenzie, uh, Rob Wilson, the art of breath, incredible practices, science behind what they're doing is been used in Stanford university uh, with neuroscience and it's just ground groundbreaking. Um, and now we use it with XBT led Hamilton and Gabby Reese's, um, practice. I'm one of the XBT coaches. Now, looking to bring it into the UK and actually put it into practice, breath is the foundation of all of it. And nasal breathing and mouth breathing have a place. But just to start things off, try and breathe through your nose all day and just register how different you feel to maybe breathing out of your mouth. If you need to calm down, breathe through your nose, steady yourself, find that focus. When you're breathing out of your mouth, very inefficient to try and take it back to nasal breathing that'll be my first task
1: um, yeah, I think, and I think that will really challenge people in the military people when they're listening to this now obviously spend <laughs> like, the next 20 minutes trying to breathe you know when you yeah. said it people have been like some people yeah. have gone Crikey, yeah, how do I breathe? And it, it yeah. one thing, yeah, you've just mentioned like some of the sort of um physiological benefits of that, of like mm. what is literally going on, mm. um and what and explaining why it actually is important. And I think the other the, the other the thing that came to my mind straight away was that you where you're talking about being aware, like that awareness of going mm-hmm. like, are you even aware of how you're breathing and, and trying to get that connection better to like mm-hmm. your breath and your body. Like what we talk about when people are, when we're trying to do, we might be like, perhaps someone wants to learn to do a handstand, but they just mm-hmm. have no awareness of where, because for a number of different reasons, being disorientated upside down, they might not know where their hips or their legs are in relation to their shoulders and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And just doing mm-hmm. some things that let you be more aware of what your body is doing and how it feels is so, so important. And that's such an easy mm-hmm. thing in terms of breath of, mm-hmm. um, basically a mindful, you know, a type of mindfulness practice that's mm-hmm. just making you focus on something percent super 100%. easy to do. There's no excuses. Everybody can do that little tip that you Everybody just said. Everybody can
2: do it. There's no excuse. I mean, so I'm really glad you picked up on that. So nasal breathing, one, go on, go and do nasal breathing all day. Give that someone to someone as a task. Most of them will struggle because they'd be mouth breathers and it's really dysfunctional, um, again, stress response, most people will then start to acknowledge if they are conscious all day of how they're breathing, they'll go into a meeting or they're getting ready for something a little bit wound up, their mouth will be wide open. People will register to that. You ask someone to, okay, breathe through your mouth for a minute. How do you feel? Breathe through your nose for a minute because it's a very different pace for a start. How do you feel? Oh my God, huge difference. Are you breathing to your chest? Are you breathing to your belly? Do you even know the difference? Mm -hmm. Bring awareness to it. I mean, there are so many different things out there. I get really excited about this because I've seen it being practiced in so many different ways that if you could think about getting stressed, let's just generalize. We all get stressed. We all get a bit wound up. How can we take control of this to bring focus? Stress is good in small little doses, but if we can learn to master it and adapt to it, then we're powerful then we can channel it. So our breathing, if we can take a few mindful breaths, as you mentioned, in for the nose and out for the nose, you'll bring so much more focus, especially if you start to add counts, like counting in for five, out for five, a really nice balanced breath. And then look at doing breath hold, where you hold the breath at the top of the inhale or the bottom of the exhale. Very hard to think about anything else when your breath is being held, you know, so it brings focus. But then when you start to play with how long you hold it for so that they do apnea breathing with, with free diving, but they also use it in the Navy SEALs to bring focus. It helps bring calm, helps them sort of really sort of slow the heart rate down so you can conserve energy. But also when you're about to go into an office uh, or go into a big meeting, just about to speak on stage. If you practice the same protocol of breath, you'll also find a lot of composure that will keep you calm. You won't burn any more fuel. And, you'll be able to go in a lot more calm, relaxed, or you might be having an argument with your wife or your husband or whatever it is, and you're about to go mental and throw a plate at them. You know, Take a big breath in, hold your breath for a second and let it out nice and slow. That might give you that extra few seconds just to find some calm rather than blow everything out of the roof and lose that comp- composure. But when it comes to performance, like you mentioned, the handstand... If you take a nice few mindful breaths in rather than like because you're gasping, because you're blowing (laughs) out all this waste gases, your head's all over the place. How are you going to find focus and really, you know, concentrate on the task? If you're blowing out of your your bum, you know, and you're just like completely out of whack, you're sympathetic, so you're just tuned into something and you're all over the place, your senses, your emotions, all of it's out of whack. Take a few mindful breaths in for the nose and out for the nose, as many rounds as you want, you know.
1: Yeah, and if you think about anyone that uh, I'm thinking of, like because of my own sporting context of like, think about Johnny Wilkinson before he was going to take a mm-hmm. goal kick. Mm-hmm. The final thing after all the preparation of, of, of just then, everyone will, and you do it naturally. If someone asks you to do something, really like, can you do that, like box jump, or can you do like almost like challenges? You set, and you like, you sort of you set yourself up, and one of the things you'll do is you'll 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 almost naturally try and take a a slow, steady breath or just to Mm -hmm. try and I feel like sometimes in, in some, in some scenarios we automatically go to do that. Um, I love your enthusiasm. So don't you, I love, I love it when anybody is enthusiastic, like your enthusiasm for it is infectious and it's, I just definitely don't apologize for it. And it's, but you can tell because it's, it's literally sort of changed your life and changed what you've been able 100%. to feel. It's the biggest
2: tool I get to share with anybody from all levels, no matter where you're starting from, that will instantly show them the power of what that means yeah, to them that's great to see in their that. daily practice. And that's, yeah. that's definitely, I think, why it's picked up so much momentum there's so many great people out there now just finding their way into the system and into the space to actually help teach it. But I think he's just going into it, knowing what you want from it. Breath work has a place in lots of different things. There are trauma release breathing practices, transformational breath practices, which is using the mouth because it is a stress response, but also it unblocks because it can get quite trippy. It can be an emotional release because it's triggering that, that element of the emotion to be unblocked. Some people don't want to go there and it can really mess with you a little bit. So it's, It's knowing why you're doing it and what you're searching for and in what context, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a normal Joe public person. But I'm just trying, my my main mission is try and help people become more connected with their body so they can start to take more control of how to use it to improve the quality of their life. And to generalize, that applies to everybody, right? We've all got to start to take more control of what we're doing every day and the practices that we're, putting into our day, are they serving us or are they causing more stress and more pain and more suffering? Because I see a lot of people just getting better at suffering and causing more dysfunction because they're trying to move too far ahead and and reach for something that might not be achievable just yet and might even then put them off even going for it. Whereas if you start to improve your physical health and then your mental health also then gets the benefit of that feeling of you know you're making progress or you feel a little bit better somewhere in your life that usually is a nice starting point for you to, to take it anywhere you want and your breathing is such a key focus if not the number one priority yeah
1: what you i think? think the 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 one of the things that you said about and you have a really great that that knows they have a really great example for people that no excuses like we can all try uh, and be more aware of that and you said that you, you, or the challenge was you're going to feel better and that
2: mm-hmm.
1: everyone, whether they're, you know, a lot of the people that are listening to our podcast will be, they're, they're into training and they're trying to, mm-hmm. we're all trying to learn things and do this and we might be able to change our body composition or whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're trying to do, they all boil down to the fact that we're trying to do something to make ourselves feel better. And actually sometimes we go after really complex things like once I can do a human flag, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really happy and I'm going to feel really great. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately like it's, it all boils down to like, we all want to be happy and we all want Mm -hmm. to feel a bit better. And if we can, if we Mm -hmm. can use little simple tools that you've given today of things that we can add to our repertoire, Of things that are going to help us feel Mm -hmm. better. What's the knock-on effect of that on Mm -hmm. our, like you said, mental health? But what's the knock-on effect of that of how well we're connected with our body? And then what's the knock-on effect of that into how our training? And then Mm -hmm. we're feeling good about then. What's the Mm knock-on effect that has into then our relationships and family Mm -hmm. life and in your business or whatever it is? It's just it's then just starts. It's that like ripple effect of like little little things that we can do to make ourselves feel better that can have Mm -hmm. over a longer period big. Um, impacts and, you know, hats off to you for the the big impact you're having.
2: Well, it's, it's, you know, I'm really glad you picked up on the fact that it has this ripple effect because it really does. Whoever you're following is, whoever you're, we've listened to this podcast, the people that you communicate with, your clients, you know, the people that you connect with. For me, if you can give someone even the smallest little tool, a little hack to make a, a difference in that moment, you know, it's such a gift. And I feel like we've all got this it's just a case of how do you channel it and how do you explain it? How do you share it? And I think if everyone could start to simplify a little bit rather than, I mean, I, I could go off on this so heavily, but I think the most transformational gift most people have is to actually just start to connect a little bit more and actually start to communicate better, share what's going on inside, especially when it comes to mental health, you know, just actually sharing their stories, starting to like, um, be there a little bit more for each other and if it's a, a, your own personal challenge, your own personal mission, what are you doing it for? What's your real reason for getting there? You know, a lot of time it's aesthetics or is it, you know, uh, fame or, you know, status or I want loads of money or I've got to lose this weight, or I've got to have these abs, I've got to have this human flag, whatever it is. But when you get there, what, what are you going to feel like? What's next? Why are you doing it? What's your reason? And I think if you can start to really simplify the why and actually start to wake up every day and have these little practices in place that make you feel fulfilled, that make, help you feel that gratitude for being where you are and appreciate those little things, it gives you structure and proper foundations that can't be disrupted by anything that might happen in your life. So whatever happens, wherever you start might to deviate, you still have that underlying reason why you go in there and that allows you to be more relatable and real and present rather than thinking too far ahead in the future, you miss the magic of actually just being in in the now and realizing how many amazing things you've got going on around you. And also the people that you've got around you that you might have disconnected with or lost touch with. And I think if you start just to think about how can I improve my health a little bit every day and make these little shifts and little changes that make me feel really happy, really good, and I'm really grateful for all these things, whatever that is you're just a happier human being and then that resonates with everybody else and you might inspire other people and everybody has that gift no matter where you are, not just coaches, everybody. Because you might just influence and inspire someone else in your family, your siblings, your wife, your husband, whatever it is, because you're a shining light. And I think that then brings us all a little bit closer together without all this ego getting in the way and practices like breathing, writing in your journal, going out for a walk in nature, drinking more water, having a few more plants in your diet. It's less confusing because the world you know, at the moment is throwing so much information at us. It's so confusing. And you think about the general public that gets so lost in all this information. We're coaches. We make a little bit more sense, but we're still baffled by what's right and what's wrong still. So I guess leaving you with that information is more like I'm thinking about your listeners going, right? I need to just step a step back a little bit and make sure I'm doing yeah. this for the right reasons. Because that's what's gonna allow you to really find purpose and fulfillment and happiness in every day, no matter how where you are with your goals.
0: Yeah. And, and all I those think things you suggested you know,
1: then were all those things, sorry, all those little things you suggested there they're all they're all simple little things. It's not like mm-hmm. super challenging mm-hmm. to actually try and and try and try some of those things out and yeah. you know. Trest, and how do you like you said? they always do it. Yeah. How do you feel? Like you feel better? Great. Let's do some more. Yeah, it seems so simple, doesn't it? I get I get excited, but I get wound up at the same time. Because <laughs> I
2: hear people come to me. But it's a, better
1: than it lot. being complicated. But sometimes yeah. people want a complicated solution to a simple issue, and actually, simple. Yeah. We should be excited by simple because well, yeah. I am because I'm like well, I like simple because I, I feel like I can do simple. <laughs> complicated, I'm a little bit put off. Yeah.
2: Well, I simplify my life by moving to South Wales, and most people go completely
1: bonkers, but.
2: It's only because I realized I was happier by simply walking around in nature. And that might sound a bit hippie. I do hug a tree every now and then, but it's more, I thought, well, why don't I just go out and be somewhere where actually I feel happier? And then I'll figure out the rest because that's given me a chance to be in a place that I really enjoy being in. And there's so much proof now in just going out and being in nature and looking at trees and looking at forests and looking at the ocean and things like that, simple, something super simple, it's free. But if you live in a city, you're so overwhelmed with all these distractions that you can get a little bit caught up in it all. And then all of a sudden you don't realize you've even taken a breath because you're too busy doing this, 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 and this, trying to get to there. And you've forgotten about what it's like to be right here. And that's what's messing with everyone's head. You know, and yeah, I so think if we just take a little step back, if we can just talk. Sort of go, do you know what? This is the perspective I'm coming from. I need to make a few little adjustments. What are those adjustments? Getting this connected to this. So you can actually steer yourself Naturally, by being guided by the right things rather than expectations, and I think that just little shift of awareness can really be a game changer.
0: Yeah, I think you make one of the points that I did a mental health first aid course through some of the. I do some work with Para Swimming, um, and it's been a big conversation in elite sport this last sort of cycle so mm-hmm. far, from from back off of Rio. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really took away from it was that she said, "We've all got mental health." It used mm-hmm. to be a, a label which was def- like placed on people who were not in a good state of mental health they've got a mental health mm-hmm. problem but the fact is we all have a mental health as we have a physical health mm-hmm. and it, it really I think you make it such a good point around um, like I love snowboarding part of the reason same. I love snowboarding so much mm-hmm. is I can sit at a mountain at the top and I can breathe and I can mm-hmm. and then like I also like the contrast of then going flying down the mountains and rev <laughs> the adrenaline up and then I can go back to the top and I can breathe for a bit but it's just a cycle yeah, because he gets to do both at the same time the same with surfing yeah. um, and I think like you made it. You made both from one word and I was hesitant to use it because I didn't know if it was going to be the wrong word to use or not but you like you said it sounds a bit hippie but if you look back <laughs> at the last like 20 30 40 50 years people have gone out oh, flipping hippies yeah. like, but those have been the most chilled out people for a long time and they do a lot of the practices that you talked about they have plants plants their diet they spend time in yeah. nature like they are connected yeah. with their head and their heart it's it's funny that uh, that we've kind of sometimes the most simple things and sometimes things that we thought were a little bit sort of countercultural the, the, those guys had it. have got it right and it's um, yeah. I think it's cool that we can now start to have that conversation and that's probably my last question as we start to sort of bring it in a little bit of going it's very easy for someone to say if you're feeling a little bit like you've got some mental health going on let's just term it as a very broad thing as you're not in a great place you're feeling stressed and anxious you're getting depressed whatever it might be a lot of people go you need to talk about it but for mm-hmm. guys, especially coming from your place from a rugby background and, and Jack mm-hmm. and I were the same, it's not always that easy. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes like for you, if your surfboard is just in the back of the picture there, like, <laughs> sat out in the lineup with a, with a couple of mates, might be the best place to have the, have the conversation. But how do people yeah. go about starting to sort of improve these mental health? If they, Because there is an intrinsic part, but there's also a bit of like community is important, right? We need to have these mm-hmm. people around us to support us on the journey. We, we can't be lone wolves our whole life. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's gonna well, I know it's different to everybody.
2: My my surfing, I only learned to surf when I was like 30 years old. People think I've been doing it my whole life. It's just because I realized that I've got so into it and it's become such a big part of my 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 life because it was such a huge revelation because it gave me one time in nature, which I completely neglected being in London, um to it was physically challenging because I got smashed and almost drowned about five times the first three months I was trying it, but I stayed consistent and I, I, I was, I built up resilience and that it, it challenged me physically and mentally. So it was, it was allowing me to take a break because I was in my head all the time. I wasn't getting that space. I wasn't getting that time to breathe or to give myself a break. So that on top of, you mentioned snowboarding. I've been snowboarding since I was 11. I skied, you know, from the age of two. Luckily, they, I was a very active family. Um, same thing, adrenaline rush. Gives me a break, flying down a mountain, like, woo, you know, going mental, you know. You're it's, not it's thinking
0: like, about anything else but staying on your board, right? No That's, way. <laughs> you, just, you just,
2: like, dodge the skiers, you know, and just, you know, whatever. But, Knock um, a few over. Nudge a few. Um, <laughs> But also, you know, just rugby, any sport, any activity that allows you to mentally switch off from that monkey mind going all over the place and actually allowing you to find some focus, but also the endorphin rush, the feeling of the fresh air, the you know the, the danger, the risk, you know, mm. the sort of the challenge of it, you know, it's very hard for you to like get all weighed down and feel all gloomy and, you know, down if you're doing something that lifts and fires up them endorphins and actually makes you feel alive because you're on the edge of like doing something that scares you so i'm like i've always been like do it just go and give it a go even if you've never done it before whatever it is to you you might not have found it yet but if there's something you found you absolutely love or scares you or challenges you that allows you to step out of your comfort zone that gives you that bit of a mental break from everything else allows you just to tune into you you feel alive and it gives you hope and it gives you a sense of like achievement or gives you something to put your energy into rather than let it be weighed down with lots of little things. And to come back to your point, I think everyone's gonna be a little bit different. Everyone's gonna be like us going and doing extreme sports and jumping off mountains Mm. and stuff. It might be going for a swim in the ocean when it's freezing cold because it scares the shit out of you. Mm. But it makes you feel alive because it's just like, wow, you're freezing your nuts off. You know, and it might just be a case of trying something different. Go ride a horse. Go, go, go climb a mountain. You know, what can you do? What's the first step that allows you just to change what you're doing, your routine that will give you a break that might just be a complete life changer because it's allowed you to take that bit of time out to get some clarity, to change your perspective and snap you out of that negative loop that you might be in. And introduce a new habit that just might make you feel like you actually know everything's all good and then you build it from there you might end up doing all of them like me but you know it's (laughs) like whatever sets you alight that lifts your vibe that you know gives you purpose that physically and mentally challenges you so you keep both healthy and you keep both connected you know it it is the key I think to to just getting a proper fulfilled existence and keeps your body and your mind healthy to actually get through life and not have all these other things plague you, which they often do if you just decide to give up.
0: Yeah. Do something that makes you feel alive, right? That's the kind of the wrap up. Yeah, man. Go from there. Preach. Yes.
1: (laughs) Amen. What a place to finish. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, yeah no Richie thanks so much for. I've literally I've one been breathing through my nose majority <laughs> since you said that I would to watch this button, because I've been breathing it... through
2: my mouth the whole time I'm so excited I feel my heart racing because I'm pumped
1: Jack yeah, he's actually up until uh, now. He's uh, he was
0: breathing through his mouth and eats at the same time. It's quite <laughs> <a> skill. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: <get> it in. <laughs> uh, no, and wicked. and literally feel uplifted by the even just even just the conversation and just off of your energy. And I hope that um, everybody that's been listening feels um, feels the same. Feels a bit better. Is able to put some of those simple things um, into practice. Um, mm-hmm. And so if they if they wanted to find out a little bit more about you and some of the projects that you've got going on, where's the best place for them to find you? And we'll put some of the links in the show notes.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I know what's going to come up with thinking about your listeners. There's so yeah. many great things out there to go and tune into. I'd say definitely just go and explore, you know, Google and YouTube, all this breath work versus nasal breathing. There's so much that I haven't even delved into yet myself, but just to become more educated. But my, um, my website um, gives you quite a lot of insight into the practice that I have also my other teachings and the places I recommend you go and review and that's Um yeah. Instagram is where I'm mostly active which is at the Strem Temple but I'm also active on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook you just google the Strem Temple and you'll probably find me somewhere um, can, we go
0: and do a, uh, can we go and do a breath workshop while snowboarding? Yes. Let's that's set that something, up.
2: That's something I'm working on.
0: Oh, so, you go. you've, you've, you've got one customer already. I'm coming. So
2: <laughs> it's really cool because there's, there's been such a huge interest in all of this. And I believe it can be applied in every single walk of life, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, whatever your listeners are into. Breathing and applying it to your part of life. In the corporate space, it's huge right now because they're the most stressed, crazy guys and girls on the planet and applying it to finding a more balanced lifestyle. And on my website, there's lots of different places where you can do the retreats with me and workshops and I can even come into your school. I'm teaching in schools. It's another thing. The kids are really adapting to it now. i mm. have just going to to do some of the British gymnastics in Great. the youth team. So awesome. it's really getting out there and it's just so like like exciting to actually have people just start having these conversations and I love to talk about it as you can tell. Um, but it's more just giving people these simple tools just to get started and see where they can apply it into their life. And if they want more information, just hit me up and, um, I'll come and share more information.
1: So yeah, we'll put some of those links in the show notes so people can find you very easily. But like I say as well, they can just, obviously Google Strength Temple is going to be an easy way to do it. Uh, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm sure um, for the listeners out there, that they've got a lot to take away from that. And um, one thing from Richie, Richie would love it if you would give us a, a, a five-star review, wouldn't you, Richie, on, on iTunes for the podcast? <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> and, if, uh, yeah, and if you've got any questions for either us or for Richie off the back of it, make sure you do get in touch uh, let us know what you thought of the podcast, um, and uh, we'd love to we'd love to connect uh, uh, with you um, on. I think both of us are very active on Instagram, so that's a good place to um, ask any questions and share your thoughts on the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. So, there's nothing else other to say apart from thank you, Richie Norton, for being on the Scorecast and podcast until next week.
2: Class dismissed.